Hello and welcome to White Seattle Christian Church. Pastor Worth here. If you are new, welcome. If not, welcome back. I'm glad you're here. We are continuing our hindsight series on this last Sunday in January 2020. And we're going to just jump right in uh, where we left off last week when we were uh, examining this passage in Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 17, where Jesus says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So today, we are going to dive off the high dive into the deep end of this passage. And to start, I want to take a look at what was happening before Jesus made this announcement. And if this is all new to you, I suggest if you don't want to go all the way back to the beginning of our series a few weeks back, uh, at least go back to last week and pick it up there. It's a short, uh, concise message that will help you get up to speed. So backing up a few weeks ago, we had this genealogy at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. And then after the genealogy, the book really starts go get it really starts to get going with John the Baptist, who is Jesus's cousin. He's going around telling everyone that Jesus is coming along after him. And we see that John baptizes his cousin, Jesus. And when Jesus comes out of the water, there's this affirmation that comes from God that says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And then immediately following that, Jesus goes into the desert before he starts his formal ministry, and he is tempted and tested by uh, Satan. And when he comes out of the desert, he finds that his cousin, John, has been put in prison by Herod. And that's where I want to pick it up. We'll start there in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of shadow, of death. A light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, I want to break down this phrase a little bit by examining each word that Jesus uses here. And that might seem a little tedious, but I think it's important. We said last week that this was the headline for his ministry. Now, I think the phrase kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God can be used synonymously in the scripture. So I think you could look at this phrase and instead of kingdom of heaven, you could say the kingdom of God has come near. They are, for all intents and purposes, they are the same thing. The next word to look at then, once we have that out of the way, is the word repent, the word that starts off this headline news, which is the Greek word metanoia. And we've talked about this word before, the word repent and repentance, especially in our series uh, on the great I am statements in John from last year at the beginning of uh, 2020. We talked about uh, that the kind of elementary definition of this word repent is a 180 degree turn walking the other way away from your sin. But a better understanding is that there is a path that Jesus wants you to walk called the way. Jesus says, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. No, the Mandalorian did not come up with that first. Jesus says there is this path called the way when he says repent. And this way is very much rooted in his I am statement in John 14, verse 6, where he says, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. So his earliest followers were not called Christians when they started out, even though they are called that later. The first thing they are called is people of the way. Whose way? Jesus's way. They are called that in Acts over and over again in chapter 9, verse 2, chapter 19, verse 9 and 23, chapter 22, verse 4, chapter 24, verse 14, and in 22. And I think this is really important because first and foremost, it means that Christianity was not meant to be just another religion, but it was meant to be a way. It's a journey and a path that you walk, and it requires not one choice, i.e., I'm just going to get baptized and that's it. But it involves a perpetual infinity of choices throughout our lives to live the way of Jesus. We are always on the way, in other words, and we are called to make a way for others to join us. And that's why they were called the people of the way. Now, back to repentance. It can mean a turn of 180 degrees in your life, but repentance means that you're on the path of Jesus and then you've started to something has happened, you've veered off course. And metanoia means you need to get back on the path. How do you get back on the path? Jesus says metanoia, repent. So perhaps another way to say repent is this, change the way you perceive reality. In other words, when you're off course, get a different view of where you are. Jesus is your true north. He's your compass. He will help you reroute your course so change the way you perceive reality. Get up on a high point so you can see where you are and get back on track. But let's do something here. Let's put these new definitions of metanoia directly into Jesus's headline phrase, his phrase that is this, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Get back on the path to the way the kingdom of God has come near. Or change the way you perceive your reality. The kingdom of God has come near. So when Jesus says, change the way you perceive your reality, what he means is start looking for the kingdom of God. This is something to sit up and take notice about. He's saying it's time for a course correction. Moving on, I want to look at this word kingdom. This word can be a bit harder for us to understand because kingdoms have kings and we're not used to that. And kings rule and they reign and kings, a king's reign is the way in which he rules. There is a kingdom way of life Jesus is describing here. There it is again. Repent, get back on the path, and change the way you perceive reality because the way of God has come near. Kingdom equals a certain way, a certain type of reign and rule of life and order. And we can find out what that is by examining the life of Jesus and the life of those first followers of Jesus to see how they were patterning their life after Jesus. So when we say repent, the kingdom of God has come near. When we read that, you could replace the kingdom way of God with the life pattern of God, because there's a particular pattern that they were imitating in the life of Jesus. So when Jesus says this phrase, he's talking about himself, and he's saying he will give a life pattern for the way God wants us to live. And we talked about this many series ago when we said Jesus was our prototype. And what this boils down to in Jesus's headline is change the way you perceive reality so you can start looking for the life pattern of God. Start to perceive your life, every single bit of it, through the lens of the life pattern of God. Now, when I said this phrase, 
Jesus utters is a headline and everything else flows from it. What word do you think we should be looking for in Matthew that helps us clue in to the fact that Jesus is still talking about this way of life, this life pattern? I think it's the word kingdom. Uh, that's what we said it was earlier, uh, that kingdom equals reign, and reign equals the way a king rules, and the way a king rules equals the life pattern that he has for everyone. There's a pattern and an order to the life he wants for us. And in Matthew, there are 30, more than 30 places that the kingdom comes up, and it is an all-encompassing theme in Matthew. And I want to dive into that for just a little bit. A lot of people think of earth and heaven as two separate places or realities, like heaven is some esoteric nebulous place out there in the clouds or in space, and that's where God is, and he's untouchable. And we're over here on earth, and, and we're just waiting until we can go there. Um, but the best way I've found to think of uh, heaven is this. It's the place where the complete and deep presence of God resides. It's not just over here. Heaven is the complete and deep presence of God. So actually, this next image uh, of, of heaven and earth is a bit more accurate when it comes to the way heaven is revealed to us in the scriptures. It's this intersection or collision between heaven and earth. And what I want you to see is that this is powerfully good news. This is what the incarnation and Jesus's ministry is all about, because this means that God didn't create earth and say, there you go, you're on your own. It means instead that God's presence is mingled up and intertwined and mixed up with and a part of earth and his creation. And it means that he is present with us. He's mixed up with us. Jesus is declaring this amazing news, that the reign of God is being inaugurated in this new way, something that had never happened before. This kingdom that is about the wrong things being made right, where peace and shalom and love is valued much higher and much more than power and might and violence. This was and it still is a completely different way of looking at the world. Peace and love over power and violence. We've been reading through the New Testament together since September. And back in September, there was a video from the Bible Project that we put on our blog that was pretty incredible. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you did um, uh, watch it. But I want you to watch it again. And it's about this moment where Jesus is declaring the headline of his ministry. And I want you to notice how they start with the words from Isaiah in the Old Testament, who is prophesying way back in the early part of God's story what Jesus is coming and to do, what he's going to do. So take a look. There's this beautiful poem. It's in the book of Isaiah. The city of Jerusalem has just been destroyed by Babylon, a great kingdom in the north. And all of these Jewish people, they've been sent away into exile, but a few remained in the city. And they're left wondering, what just happened? Has our God abandoned us? Right, because Jerusalem was supposed to be the city where God would reign over the world to bring peace and blessing to everyone. Now Isaiah had been saying that Jerusalem's destruction was a mess of Israel's own making. They had turned away from their God, become corrupt, and so their city and their temple were destroyed. Yeah, everything seems lost. 
But the poem goes on. There's a watchman on the city walls. And far out on the hills, we see a messenger. And he's running towards the city. He's running and he's shouting, good news. And Isaiah says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful feet? Yes. The feet are beautiful because they're carrying a beautiful message. What's the message? That despite Jerusalem's destruction, Israel's God still reigns as king, and that God himself is going to one day return to this city, take up his throne, and bring peace. And the watchmen sing for joy because of the good news that their God still reigns. Now in the New Testament, we find this same phrase, the good news. It's the Greek word euangelion, and it's also sometimes translated with the word gospel. So when Christians say, do you believe the gospel, they mean, do you believe the news? But not just any news. In the Bible, this phrase is always about the announcement of the reign of a new king. And in the New Testament, the Gospels use this phrase to summarize all of Jesus' teachings. They say that he went about proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. So Jesus saw himself as the messenger, bringing the news that God reigns. Yes, but the way that he described God's reign, it surprised everybody. I mean, think, a powerful, successful kingdom. It needs to be strong, able to impose its will, able to defeat its enemies. But Jesus said the greatest person in God's kingdom was the weakest, the one who loves and who serves the poor. And he said that you live under God's reign when you respond to evil by loving your enemies and forgiving them and seeking peace. This is an upside-down kingdom. Now, Jesus also said that this kingdom was arriving with him. Yeah, so for example, there's this really interesting story where there's a high-ranking Roman officer, and he comes to Jesus begging him to heal his servant. And he even calls Jesus his Lord, acknowledging that Jesus is his authority. Jesus praises this man for recognizing what no one else yet had, that not only was Jesus announcing God's kingdom, he was the king. And so the word gets out that this Jewish man from Galilee is talking and acting like he's the king of Israel. He's appointing 12 disciples, which are an image of Israel's 12 tribes. He's healing people, forgiving people their sins. And all of this so threatened Israel's leaders that they finally decide to have him killed. And Jesus let them. Yeah, which is a weird thing to do if you're trying to become king. That's right. But for Jesus, this is what had to happen. Jesus saw the sin and the devastation of his people Israel as just one small part of the entire human condition. How all humanity has rebelled against God, resulting in the tragedy and devastation of our whole world. So how is God going to bring his reign over such a world? Jesus believed it would be through an act of sacrificial love for his enemies. This is why in the Gospels, Jesus' crucifixion is depicted as his enthronement as the king of the Jews. Yeah, he receives a crown. He also receives a robe. He's exalted up, not onto a throne, but onto the cross. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. And the good news now is that Jesus has defeated death and that he reigns as king, that he's dealt with our sin and corruption himself and that he's conquered it with his life and with his love. And then Jesus sends his followers to go out and keep announcing this good news of the upside down kingdom. And to invite everyone to give their allegiance to him, the king who defeated death with his love.
I love that. The king who defeated death with his love. Well, I hope you can see how Jesus' headline has uncharted depths for us, and that much of what Matthew is saying in his gospel is explaining what it means to be a people who choose the way that Jesus lived, the way, the life pattern of God. Are you seeking out that life pattern each day? Are you a follower of the way, Jesus's way? Well, that requires being with Jesus to learn from Jesus how to be like him so that you can do the things he does for the reasons that he does them. Next week, we'll look at some of the stories Jesus tells us about his kingdom and what life looks like in that kingdom, how to join it in more tangible ways. Until then, I'm Pastor Worth Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church. Grace and peace to you all. This is the way. <laughs>